Hi everyone, and welcome to this series of additional recordings intended to provide you with information on some other legal issues you may encounter while doing disaster recovery work. Hi everyone, my name's Finn and I'm a solicitor in the Disaster Response Legal Service team. Today we're going to talk about the various employment law issues that may come up when you're assisting disaster-affected clients. And I'm joined by my colleague, Alex Yannikis, who's a solicitor in the employment law team. Um, thanks so much for joining us today, Alex. Thanks, Finn. Pleasure. So, Alex, when there are disasters, um, some employers have to um, have to close up, whether that's because the business itself has suffered damage or because roads are, are closed or whatever reason. What, what does this mean for em- employees when employers have to close up? Yeah, that's probably the most common scenario that we see when we're giving advice um, of what an employer can do in the case of a natural disaster. So the Fair Work Act allows employers to stand down employees in certain circumstances um, when uh, an employee cannot be usefully employed. Um, This is where the employer cannot be reasonably held responsible for that stoppage of work. And this can be in circumstances of bushfires and floods. So it's really important that you get lots of details about the context of what the employee does, what the employer, what the business is, and what the actual stoppage of work is, um, because it has to be quite specific that to allow them to rely on that clause. Um, if they do stand people down under that, that section, um, they're not required to make payments to an employee for that period of stand down. Thanks, Alex. Is there any uh, specific time limit that the employee the employer has to to stand someone down or is there anything that the employer has to has to do before they stand down an employee well that's that's a great question so there's no specific time limit that someone can be stood down or can't be stood down and there's no specific requirements about how it should be done but it is best practice to tell employees in writing um, the start of the stand down whether they're going to be paid um, and the, the the effect it'll have on any other employment entitlements what I would say, though, is that in terms of time limits, a stand-down is, is lawful and for as long as it falls within the requirements of the section of the Act, which is 524 of the Fair Work Act. Once it's not within uh, lawful under that section, then it'll no longer be valid. And, and what can an employee do if, if they think that an employer has um, unreasonably uh, stood them down or, or, or perhaps doesn't have grounds to stand them down? Sure. So um, the Fair Work Commission has uh, powers to be able to um, deal with a stand-down dispute uh, under what's called an F13 application. Um, So that can be made to the Fair Work Commission. And it's actually happened a lot this year in relation to to COVID and stand-downs in relation to to the coronavirus, uh, where people believe they've been unlawfully stood down under that section. They can make that complaint to the Fair Work Commission and um, as a, at a first stage, there's some conciliation where matters can often be resolved, but the commission does deal with those disputes. Standing down an employee is is probably just one of the the things that an employer might do um, uh, from a from a sort of business point of view during a natural disaster. What what are some alternatives? What are some other things that employers could do uh, where where they they had to shut up shop or where, where there's issues following a natural disaster. Yeah, so I mean, when when there is a natural disaster, it obviously can impact on the business directly and and result in a stand down or, or or other related entitlement or issue. Or if it's not, it doesn't impact on the business, but is impacted on the employee specifically. Then there are other options for the employee potentially in those circumstances. So if 
during a natural disaster, an employee needs to take time off to care for a family member or a child, for example, the school's been closed for flooding. If they're a permanent employee, they'll have access to personal slash carers leave, which will cover them in the cases of a natural disaster or an emergency. They'll be able to use that entitlement. So an employee can take accrued, paid or personal leave if they are unfit to work due to an illness or injury or if they need to provide care or support to you know, their, their, their husband or their, or their child or due to an illness or, or, sorry, or the emergency itself. Okay. Um, I mean, when we go to the disaster recovery centres um, following a bushfire or a flood, we often see clients um, who, uh, who who want to to volunteer um, for various organisations to help out their their community. That that obviously means that they they may not be able to spend that time doing their job. They may need to take time off work um, to to volunteer. Can you tell us a little bit about a little bit about emergency management sure. leave and what sure. that involves? So an employee may be requested to volunteer to assist the community with that sort of disaster relief activities through recognized emergency bodies like the SES or or the like. And so there are entitlements that can apply to those circumstances where, where an employee wants to volunteer. So that's known as a community service leave. So the National Employment Standards entitles employees who are members of a recognized emergency emergency management body to take unpaid community service leave for certain emergency management activities such as dealing with a a natural disaster so there's a few key things though the the employee must be if they to take that leave they must be engaged engaging in that activity that involves dealing with an emergency or natural disaster Um, engaging in the activity on a voluntary basis Um, there's a few exceptions but that's the general principle they have to be a member of or uh, or a member like or has a member like association to uh, a recognised emergency body, so it's just not any organisation. They have to be recognised, and they have to be have been requested, or it'd be reasonable to expect that they would have been requested. So, a recognised emergency management body. Just to to clarify that, because I think some people might be wondering what that is. It's a body that has a role or function under a plan that is for coping emergencies. It's prepared by the Commonwealth or state or territory, a firefighting or a civil defence or rescue body. So think SES, Country Fire Authority, RSPCA in case of animal rescue during natural disasters, those kind of things. Um, I should note that awards and agreements may also contain specific agreements in relation to community service leave in addition to the National Employment Standards, so should always check that as well. Thanks, Alex. We've spoken a little bit about personal leave and community service leave do employees need to provide evidence before they apply for that leave and and if if that leave is refused what can the employee do yeah that's a great question finn employees need to notify their employer when they take leave so you can't just take the leave personal leave to to, sorry carers leave to look after your child who's home from school or the community service leave without um, advising their employer so that's an important step to take it's then really up to the employer if they require require evidence to support that leave. So if the employer requests evidence such as medical certificates to support the leave, um, an employee would need to provide that. Also, you know, in the case of community service leave, that organisation might have a letter that says, you know, that the client is volunteering to assist with disaster recovery activities. So it is always best to keep an open dialogue with all these things, with the stand down provision, the orders, the leave that you have clear communication between the employee and the employer that's written that so everyone knows what's happening. 
can an employer direct an employee to help with cleanup activities at their workplace if necessary? Yeah, I mean, that's a common situation that does arise. So if the employer makes a request, it's about whether it's lawful and reasonable. That depends on lots of different things, their skill of the employee, their experience, what their job is, their health, if they have any disability. So there's a lot of factors that would play on that point. So, um, I mean, there is, if it's within the scope of the employment, that's okay, or within the, the, uh, what the employee is expected to do for their job. But if it's completely outside the scope or a risk to their health or or they have a disability and can't do it, then it wouldn't be a reasonable and lawful direction. That's so that what sort of what it comes down to. But if I was a solicitor giving advice in that circumstance, I'd want to perhaps speak to one of the employment lawyers or someone that has a bit of more expertise in that area to get an opinion on whether or not it is a reasonable and lawful direction. Uh, thanks, Alex. If an employee works additional hours um, due to a disaster or emergency, do, do they need to get paid overtime? So, in general, an employee that works additional hours should get paid for those additional hours. But as a lot of things with employment law, it also depends on the context, the circumstances, what sort of agreement applies to them, if if it's an award or an enterprise agreement. Um, There's also other payments such as meal allowances and other allowances that can apply. Um, So, these kind of information is available in the awards or the agreement. So, that's something that you probably will need to get further information from uh, an employee in that circumstance because there is a possibility that they should be paid more. We we get quite a few inquiries about um, employment and, and employment-related issues at the disaster recovery centres and on the phone lines following natural disasters. Um, where can solicitors working at disaster recovery centres or on the, on the disaster phone line refer clients with employment problems if they need to? Based on the assessment of the actual the employment issue, if it's something minor... Uh, about some entitlements or wages, they can contact the Fair Work Ombudsman. They're quite a good resource to help people point them in the right direction as to what they're entitled to. If it's a little bit more involved and requires some sort of further investigation, then the employment team, um, we have a specialist advice clinic and we have we have a range of clinics. So hopefully um, you'd be able to get an appointment pretty quickly or, or they'd be able to get an appointment quickly or the, the solicitor could just get in contact with the team um, with their question and um, we're usually pretty quick at getting back to them about that. Keep in mind time limits can apply in employment matters. So if you do think you need some advice, I, I would do it sooner rather than later. Th- thanks so much, Alex. So if there's if there's one thing that you want solicitors to come away with from this episode as a, as, as a lesson or, or, or learning, what would that be? Uh, I'll give you more than one. <laughs> That'd be good, Alex. Um the first thing is that uh, with a lot of employment issues, it's important that they're dealt with uh, sooner rather than later. If you let, if they let things um, sit and fester, it becomes sometimes more difficult to unpack or deal with, or in some instances, they'll lose their opportunity. So in the case of people losing their job or being terminated, it's uh, that's important they get urgent advice because there's a t- strict 21-day time limit in relation to termination uh, applications to the Fair Work Commission for unfair dismissal. It's also important to understand that the Standtown provision is a is a very complex area of the Fair Work Act, and it, it and it applies quite specifically to specific circumstances. Uh, and employers will sometimes use it quite loosely, and so um, we want employees to make sure that they just don't take the employer's word for granted as that applies to their circumstance. And that's what I really think is really important that that either the solicitor speaks to someone in the employment team or the solicitor themselves has a look at the specific circumstances that a stand down is allowed because it's not just 
as as simple as the natural disaster we've got to shut down because i can't come to work i can't have my employees at work it's not as simple as that and um, when you're talking about people's livelihoods in a tough time it's very important that rights and their entitlements are, are dealt with correctly thanks so much alex pleasure Listeners, if you need further information on this topic, please check out the fact sheet um, located on the internet. You can also look at the resources available on the Fair Work Ombudsman website. And of course, as Alex said, you can, you can always reach out to uh, him or one of our colleagues in the employment law team. Mm-hmm.